connected with a career. Now, there's nothing wrong with being successful in your career. In fact, the Bible in Ecclesiastics talks about that having a career and a good job is a righteous thing. But how many of you know that just being stuck with a career, and there's nothing wrong with having a career. We need a career, and I believe God can use us in our career, and in fact, he does. The, the calling of God has nothing to do with coming into a church surrounding and finding some ministry in a building. That's, that's not the call of God. The call of God has to do with your God-given purpose what he's gifted you with, understanding even where you came from. God takes even the brokenness out of where you come from. And do you know that out of that brokenness and out of that pain comes wisdom? The Bible says in all you're getting, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. When you begin to grow in the wisdom of God, you begin Instead of becoming bitter, you begin to grow and you come increase and you begin to see how God takes where you come from and what you come through and he begins to use it to build a testimony. God may use you to write a book. God may use you. How many of you know some of the greatest ministries around are people that have walked through some of the deepest, darkest places? The devil wants to hold you hostage to your past where you're a prisoner. Jesus comes to say, no, what the devil meant for evil, I'm going to take it and turn it for good. I want you to hear the prophetic word out of Isaiah, verse 43, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord who makes a way. Can we put that up there? Uh, Judy, isn't Judy awesome? Judy Grego, what a blessing she is. Thank you, Judy, for doing what you do up there. All the people in our sound room, it's so necessary. This is what the Lord says. The God who builds a road. Wait, wait a minute. Is that in verse 16? 16. Okay, that's it. Okay. Who builds or makes a way through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves. He's talking about God who brings you through something. He, he builds a road. He's, he's building a road through the ocean. Do you know that what your problem is? God says there's a road there that he's building. He's building something in your worst problem. Who carves a path through pounding waves. How many here have ever felt you were pounded? Pounded of the problem. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies here. He goes on here to say, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished and they are quenched like a wick. Now, this is important. What God is saying is this. He's not only brought you through, but he's defeated your enemy. He's defeated it. And then he says this in verse 18. If we go to verse 18. Forget. I'm going to read this past, this particular translation. Do not remember the former things. The Apostle Paul who assisted in the, the murder of Christians in the early church of the first century. God calls him out as a Pharisee. He becomes a powerful apostle. Paul says, this, this, this one thing that I do in moving forward 
as I forget those things which are behind. Now, obviously, he can't forget everything, but what he's saying is I'm not going to allow those things to hold me from what God is pulling me into. And so he goes on here, says the scripture, do not remember the former things, do not consider the things of old. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. I want to do something new. How many of you just say, I received that new thing this morning? Now remember, you can't move forward and go backwards at the same time. Some of you need to get rid of your rear view mirrors in your brain. I'm moving forward, and what I have is I have a fresh new identity. I have fresh faith, and I have a God who's taken me, transformed my nature, and I'm a new man. And he says, behold, I'll do a new thing, and it will spring forth. Shall you not know it, and I will even make a road in your wilderness. Can you say amen? Amen. This past week, I do a lot of treasure hunting and prayer. I've been in fasting and prayer this week. And you know, it's amazing. When you begin to fast and pray, boy, the enemy attacks you. But at the same time, you know, the, your, your greatest anointing will be on you during your heaviest attack. I ran into two young men this week in the city of Dallas, two young men. Just One of them I met in Taco Bell. I didn't go into... I actually went in to use the restroom. I just went in and got some water. But while I was in there, the Lord spoke to me, and I went to this young man who was in Taco Bell. He happened to be an employee. His name is Stephen. I met Stephen. He's an African-American young guy. And I just said, and he was sitting down having a break. And I, I just went up and sat down and said, how's your day going? Told a stranger. He says, well, I'm doing pretty good. A very bright young man. And uh, as I began to talk to him, I just began to sense that there were some things on his life. And I said, you know, you have tremendous potential. And I said, I, I just want to share something with you. And he says, what do you mean? And we opened the conversation. I was, first of all, we were talking about the tacos. It's amazing when you're fasting how the food really looks great on the, <laughs> and, and uh, because he makes all these tacos. By the way, this is a plug for Taco Bell. They have this massive nachos. You've got to get it, by the way. <laughs> but he, he was talking about that. But anyway, we, it, it's, it's a great, great feature. Uh, can't wait to eat it. But anyway, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was just downloading some things. And I said, th- th- you know what? I know you work at Taco Bell, but you know, there's so much potential that someday the Lord's going to open the doors and take you out of Taco Bell and, because you're, you're an extremely gifted individual. And uh, he says, you know what? I don't really have a vision for my life outside of Taco Bell. He said, this is what he told me. The only thing that I live for is that work, and the reason why I work at Taco Bell is so I can buy my bag of weed and get high. He said, that's, that's all I live for. If I can just get a bag of weed, I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have a lot of friends. He says, the only thing I live for is to get a bag of weed so I can get high. And I said, do you know that, that God has something so much richer? And I said, you know, eventually weed's not going to satisfy, it's not going to meet the need in your life. He says, I know that. 
He says, I know that weed is a gateway drug for something stronger, and I'm tempted to go that way, but I'm not doing it. And he said this. I said, when, when did you start smoking weed? And listen to what he said. He said, I started smoking weed eight years ago when my father was arrested for molesting a young minor, and now he's a pedophile, and he's serving 16 years in the penitentiary. He says, I hate my dad, I hate my mom, and I hate my life. And the only reason I smoke weed is to get away from it. I believe that me coming into that Taco Bell was a divine encounter for this young man named Stephen. I said, Stephen, I want to tell you something. You have a call in your life. I came in here to use the restroom, but I believe God brings these encounters for a reason, and he loves you, and he wants you to know, and I gave him a scripture because the Holy Spirit reminded me, it says, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up, and I said, when you learn to release your father and what he's done, because he molested this young man's cousin, it was a cousin, molested a niece, this man, He's serving 16 years in the penitentiary for this molestation of this girl. But it so affected his son, Stephen, just bent him out of shape that he lost his vision. And now all he lives for is the bag of weed. I said, God has something great. How many believe God has something greater? And I, you know what, I went over and uh, I said, I'm going to, would you allow me just to lay my hand on your shoulder? So I'm going to pray for you. He says, sure. Sure, whatever you want to do, that's fine. I'm not going to hit you. I just want to lay your hand. I just laid my hand on his shoulder. And I said, Lord, be a father to this young man. Open his eyes to see that there's something greater. And he was... He just started crying right there, and he says, you know, I, I, I need to get up. I, I got to go to work. And so he, he, I said, well, he left. That, that was how fast that happened. You know, sometimes people react and respond when the Holy Spirit's on their life. They don't know how to handle it. But he didn't have another. There's another young man I want to share about. I can't even pronounce his name. He's a Nigerian guy that I talked to. It's like, oh, say la, me, say la. <laughs> I'm really screwing that up. But it's one of those, oh, say ma, la, si, ma, li. You know, I feel like I'm speaking in tongues, but it was like, and I said, you know, that's, that's a beautiful name. That's a wonderful name. That's an awesome name. Where did you get that? And he said, my mother gave it to me. I said, tell me what the name means. He says, nah, I don't, I don't want to tell I said, but, but there's something, and I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me, there's something in your name that has to do with your future. Why would you say that? I said, I, I just feel, the, I'm a Christian, and I feel the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this. There's something about your name. He says, all right, I'll tell you. And, and it's a Nigerian name, but it means sent from God. He says, my mother told me that when she was pregnant with me, she put her hand on my tummy and gave me that name. 
and ever since I've been born. But he says, you know what? I don't understand it. Sent from God. I said, do you know what it means? I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you because I believe the Holy Spirit. God has his hand on you. You are a gift. Not just to your mother, but you're a gift to God and you're a gift from God. But God has something so much bigger. And this is what he said. Another young man, the second young man that I met this week, he said this. I don't know. I'm really kind of ticked off with God right now. I'm really ticked off with God. And I said, that's great. And he looked at what do you mean? <laughs> I said, do you know why it's so awesome? Why? Because God loves your honesty. He's not ticked off because you're ticked off. He's actually, because you see, he knows that in your anger and being ticked off that you're actually searching and he's going to be found by you. You're going to find him. I said, God has his hand on you. And you can't do, you can't go to the right. There's been, you've, you've been walking through life and there's certain things you couldn't do. He says, how do you know that? He says, you know what? I was at a party one time and these people were trying to give me some drugs and I couldn't take it. I said, you know why? Because you're sent from God. Amen. Yeah. And he says, you know another thing? This, he, he confided this in me. He says, I, even, I would never tell my friends this, but I'm a virgin. I'm 16 years old and I'm still a virgin. I said, what's wrong with that? And he says, yeah, but all my friends aren't. And, you know, I get pressured all the time. And I'm still a virgin. I said, do you know why? Because God has his hand on you. You can't. You can't go against what your mother laid her hands on you. You can't because God has a plan that's so much bigger. It's called a vision. It's God, God's hand. There's a protection. You have been, you've been going through this struggle because you want acceptance from friends. But something inside says, I can't do that. That's God. But he didn't know it. How many of you are grateful that God has kept you from things that you could have done? Amen. And let me just say this. Even if you did do it, he's still strong enough to pull you out of what the Bible says, that dark place. Because when we sin, he, his grace is greater. Then he said this to me. He says, I'm ticked off with God. Because my father is a very promiscuous man who's been married to my mom. And then he said this. He says, he has left my mom for another woman. But then he, then he said this. I'm so angry because I feel like my childhood has been robbed. And I stopped him right there. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you have a younger brother? He said, yes, I do. And I said, you know what? That younger brother... Do you also have a sister? He says, yeah, I have two sisters. I just said, do you have one sister? I said, all these siblings are looking to you to be a father figure. Yeah, that's right. And I feel like I had to step up and be the man in the house because when my dad left, there was nobody else but me. And my mom leans on me and I said, you have felt the weight of taking responsibility of being a dad because your dad left. 
I said, do you know why this encounter is happening right now? It's because God is here to give you wisdom, but also God is coming here to let you know that his hand is on you to set you free and to bring a revelation to what he has in your life. First of all, you need to release. I, I, I said, if you're willing to do this and you're willing to just open your heart. I, I took this young man by the hand. I I, again, I can't pronounce his Nigerian name, sent from God. And as I prayed for him, this is what happens. As my hand went out to his hand and he touched my hand and my hand, he pulled his hand back. He, he didn't know what happened. He just, just, just pulled it out. I said, you okay? He says, you shocked me. Now, I personally didn't get shocked, but he got shocked. I don't know what happened. I didn't get shocked. But then he put his hand back in my hand. I said, I just want to pray for you. And as I begin to pray for him, just tears again. The second time, tears just flowing down this Nigerian boy. And I just begin to pray. I said, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're greater and you're bigger. And, Lord, you're a loving God. And, Lord, I thank you that you're breaking the curse off this young man for what his father has done. And that, Lord, you have protected, you have put a shield around him. I remember praying that over this young man. And I, and I, I gave him a card. And he said he's going to call me. I, I, I haven't heard from him yet. But uh, I, I just want you to know that here's two young men coming out of some seriously dysfunctional situations that need Jesus in their life. And you know what it starts with? It starts with giving people hope. Amen. Weren't you grateful with what Pastor Chuck brought last week? Yes. That word called hope. I gave hope to Steve, and I gave hope to this other young man. And as the word of God, God's word is full of hope. It's hope. And this morning, I, I, I want to read one last scripture, and then I'm going to close. And I'm not going to get Judy to the rest today. I want to just turn over with me to Matthew 9, and I'm going to pray after this. I'm going to let you go here. Because this is, this is something that I, I pray that we all would have this as Jesus had it. This is in Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went all through the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news. How many of you people need good news today? I use the word good news because that's what the word gospel means. Good news. And healing every sickness. Do you know the greatest sickness is? Is what's up here. People are sick in their head. People are sick in their heart. Jesus wants to heal the sickness that's in their thinking. Heal the sickness in their bodies. But Jesus wants to see the kingdom heals the sickness and every disease among the people. And I love verse 36. And this is the heart. When Jesus saw the multitude, these weren't good people. These weren't, kind, these weren't church-going people. These were, these were thieves. They were Republicans. Not Republicans. Uh, I'm talking about publicans. A publican 
has to do with a Jew who worked for Caesar. That's what they call publicans. But they were considered thieves and robbers. They lived a higher style, a status of life because they were often skimming. They were deceptive. When Jesus saw the multitude, these were harlots, adulterers, liars, thieves, drug addicts, full of lust, broken, dysfunctional, beaten down, worn down, sinners. When Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. You got to get it. There's people all around us right now. And they're running, they're functioning, they're existing. Some of them are living for their bag of weed. Some of them are running out of anger and hurt. Jesus sees them. He's moved with compassion. For them, because they were weary, scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I'm going to close with a short testimony. 28 years ago, when Carol and I came down to pastor this church, I began a series on vision and preach on vision because I was in my middle 30s and I was excited about taking this church to a new level and Pastor Merv and Darling had just left and they started pastoring on the island of Kauai. When we took the church, I mean, because, I, you know, I studied the word, went to Bible school, came down, had my own business in Portland. I was ready to, I was ready to take the church somewhere. So I knew God had a plan. I studied. I was in the word. Four, five, six months into it, I begin to realize that there was really no response from the people. And part of the problem was, is even though we were set in as pastors here, I begin to realize that it's kind of like children whose parents have moved on and the children are left and I come in as the new parent and even though we were accepted in the beginning, I could sense that even though what I was saying was the word of God, I knew that it wasn't working in the church. And I thought, well, it, it was like a contradiction. I'm, I'm bringing the word of God, but the word of God seems to not be working in the lives of the people. So I went into a season of prayer and fasting at that time. I do not get dreams like what I'm going to share with you. But I, the Lord gave me a dream on the second night of a fasting and prayer time. In the middle of the night, I got this dream. And it was a phenomenal dream. But I remember being in, the, in this dream. I was in this dark, real dark wilderness. Shrubs. It was very dry, but it was dark. Like nighttime. And I had a lot of ropes. There were ropes. I don't know why ropes, but I had ropes 
that were all tied together and they were over my shoulder and I felt like I was pulling. The Lord was giving me a picture of what I was in and what I was doing. But I didn't know when I was pulling. But in my dream, I saw a long way off. There was this clear blue sky and this oasis and waterfalls and fruit trees and green grass. It was gorgeous. And, and, and I'm, I'm pulling it, trying to get over there. And I knew I had sheep around me. But in the dream, the Lord says, Ray, that's where you want to go, but I want you to stop and look behind you. And so in the dream, I did. I turned around, and to my amazement and shock, I saw sheep that were slaughtered. They were butchered. They were broken. I mean, literally in the dream, I saw the heads of sheep with their eyeballs hanging out, tongues hanging out, lacerations on the side, legs that were broken. And then I asked the Lord in the dream, I said, did I do that? And he said, no. You didn't do that, but those are the sheep I have given you. And and the Lord said this, you're not going anywhere until you heal them where they're at. And I remember the ropes, and I had ropes in my hand, but the ropes were around their necks, and I'm dragging them. And I didn't even know I was doing it. The Lord says you can't drag sheep. Sheep can only follow you when they're healthy. How many of you know you can't go anywhere with broken legs and last? And the Lord says you heal them where they're at. And I remember pouring the oil. And as I was pouring the oil, and this is still in the dream, they were just instantly getting healed because it was compassion. I want to just tell you right now, folks, I'm going to be talking about vision. It's great to know where we're we're supposed to be going, but God wants to heal us right where we're at. He's not going to try to move you and push you. Let me tell you something, the difference between the law and grace. The law pushes you, it drives you, and it pulls you, but grace draws you. Grace is what gives you hope, that gives you strength, to give you the desire to want to move forward. God wants to stop ministries from using the word to pull broken sheep. We need to heal them where they're at. Have the compassion, and here's a key word, and this is what Jesus had for these people. He had patience with people. You know, God's brought a lot of broken people into my life, and God says, I didn't bring them into your life for you to judge them and separate yourself and cast them away because they don't fit your necessary little style. God brings broken people in your life to hopefully break your heart with compassion. And so God's teaching me how to love broken people because I didn't have it. I wish I had then what I know now. 
but I didn't. Some of you have walked through some things that maybe I put on you. Please forgive me. But I ask you right now, I believe God wants to pour in the oil in our, our lives. You know what oil does? Oil heals. Oil is what soothes. Oil is what begins to refresh, restore. That's what oil does. The oil restores, it heals. They would put oil in a salve over the eyes and the mouth and the nose and the ears of sheep. It become a repellent so insects would not affect their vision, their hearing, they're smelling. Some of us need that oil, and that's why we were in the presence of God today, so it becomes a repellent. When the enemy comes with wrong thoughts and lies, all of a sudden that anointing, you know what, I'm not going to listen to those lies. I'm, I'm, I'm not, because there's an, a new freshness upon my life. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? I, I really believe God is... God is giving us direction where we're going, but he's also here to heal you, and he heals you with hope. He heals you with his compassion. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I have not seen, I have not felt, I have not experienced the grace of God like that. I need the oil of healing and restoration. Because there's things that are so broken in my life, I can't even make right decisions. Maybe you're just afraid. God wants to touch your life this morning. He's a good shepherd. The one thing I've realized when I go out and I talk to people, I'm talking to rich, I've talked to poor, middle class. Everyone needs a shepherd. Everyone needs Jesus. Jesus is here. Maybe this morning you may say, I, I need the Lord in my life. I need hope. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I need hope. Anyone out there? I, I need that hope in my life. I need him to pour in the oil of his grace. There's just things in me that I cannot change. I don't seem to have the fire. Maybe some of you this morning says, I've, I've lost my first love. I've, I believed a lie. I just need the Lord to just break off those things that have separated me from the full call and potential God has for me. Can you just take each other by the hand? Because... If you have a neighbor there, would you just take them by the hand? There is a flow and a dynamic in prayer. The Bible says as we lay hands or hold hands, Father, I pray that through the dynamic of the body as we come together in the corporate gathering that there would be healing that would flow one to another. Bless my sister. Bless this brother. Break every chain. Break drug addiction. Break pornography. Break the lie. Break lying. 
break the spirit of fear. Break anger, unforgiveness. Break that curse that holds me hostage to what my father did or my mother did or what was didn't happen or what could have happened. Father, help me as Isaiah to remember and to move forward in the promises of God. There's a future for my brother, my sister. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to give me your love, your heart. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a good work. And it's a work that is going to be completed as I continue to trust and obey. For there's no other way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you know God wants the joy to be on your life? Go out in the joy of the Lord. Let's don't forget Sister Leanne's class on Wednesday night. Be blessed. If any of you need prayer down in front, we'd love to pray with you this morning.